0: الحمد لله الحمد لله خالق الوجود من العدم وجاعل النور من الظلم ومخرج الصبر من الالم فمنق التوبه على الندم فنشكره على المصائب كما نشكره على النعم ونصلي على رسوله الاكرم ذي الشرف الأشم والنور الاتم والكتاب المحكم وكمال النبيين والخاتم سيدي ولدي ادم الذي بشر به عيسى بن مريم ودعى لبعثته ابراهيم عليه السلام حين كان يرفع قواعد بيت الله المحرم <coughs> فصلى الله عليه وسلم وعلى اتباعه خير الامم الذين بارك الله بهم كافة الناس العرب منهم والعجم فالحمد لله الذي لم يتخذ ولدا ولم يكن له شريك في الملك ولم يكن له ولي من الذل وكبره تكبيرا والحمد لله الذي انزل على عبده الكتاب ولم يجعل له عوجا والحمد لله الذي نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد ان محمدا عبد الله ورسوله ارسله الله تعالى بالهدى ودين الحق ليظهره على الدين كله وكفى بالله شهيدا فصلى الله عليه وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا أما بعد فإن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الحدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وإن شر الأمور محدثاتها وإن كل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار قال الله عز وجل في كتابه الكريم بعد أن أقول أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم أدعو إلى سبيل ربك بالحكمة والموعظة الحسنة وجادلهم بالتي هي أحسن in Narabaka huwa a'lamu biman dhalla 'an sabeelihi wa huwa a'lamu bilmuhtadeen rabbish rahli sadri wa yassir li amri wa hlul 'uqdatan min lisani yafqahu qawli wallahumma thabbitni 'inda al-mauti bila ilaha illa allah wallahumma ij'alna amanu wa 'amilu s-salihat wa tawassalu bil haqqi wa tawassalu bi s amina rabb al i think uh, inshallah for the next few weeks as i share khutbah with you on friday inshallah I'm going to try to focus on lessons uh, that we can derive from the 125th ayah of Surah Al-Nahl. So this is Surah number 16 and ayah number 125. And what I want to do in this um, series of khutbahs is really talk about this really uh, comprehensive place in the Qur'an where Allah has taken lots of lessons that are dispersed all over the Qur'an and fused them together inside of one single ayah. So let me first translate this for you so you understand the overall scope of what this ayah is talking about and then inshallah we'll get into the subject matter which I think everybody can benefit from including myself. Udru ila sabili rabbika bil hikmati wal hasana call to the path of your master call to the way of your master with wisdom and with beautiful counsel so the second word is beautiful counsel wajadil billati ahsan and debate them and argue with them in a way that is better. So argue with them in the way that is better. In no doubt your master, in fact, is the one who knows better who is truly misled or who is lost far away from his path. And he knows better who is committed to guidance. So there's lots of things that are being said here, but as you can tell, the, the subject matter of the ayah is calling people to the path of Allah. اُدْعُوا Generally Muslims call it giving da'wah, right? And the idea of giving da'wah or sharing something about Allah is something we do with Muslims and non-Muslims. It's not something limited to those who don't believe in Allah only or don't share the faith of Islam only, but we give each other da'wah also. So let's first start with the word da'wah. da'a in Arabic means to call, it also means to invite. So it's a little bit different from nada or nida. Nida in Arabic also means to call. Uh, and it's one of the names given to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Inna munadiyan, We heard the call of a caller calling to Iman. And in that ayah, the word munadi was used, which is used for calling. But the word da'a, which can also be used for calling, has a shared meaning with invitation. Now, that makes it a pretty significant difference, because when you call someone, it can be for any purpose. You can call someone to do some work with them. You can call someone because you're warning them. You can call someone for just a very random specific task, right? But when you call someone and behind that call is an invitation, then there's a friendliness, there's a safety, there's a care that you have because obviously you don't, there's no way you're going to invite someone you don't like. And if you do, then you have some, you know, dubious purpose, like in the story of Yusuf Alayhi salam, the wife of the minister invited other women to her house, but she had some other alternative motive, right? So you alter your agenda. But generally, if you're going to invite somebody, that actually means it's an expression of friendship, of welcoming, of bringing somebody into your home, making, making someone feel safe, making, giving somebody your hospitality, opening your doors to them. All of those themes are embedded inside the word da'wah. So when you are going to, you know, sometimes a young you know, men and women when they're in their university and other settings, they say, I want, to, I want to give da'wah, right? So they'll set up like a da'wah table or something in the middle of a street somewhere or on campus. And it's like, why should you become Muslim? And people are coming and stopping by. And sometimes some very staunch atheist stops by or some very hard-line Christian stops by. And it turns into a spinning match and everybody's raising their voice and, you know, argumentation going on and things are being said about the Prophet ﷺ or about the Qur'an and things like that. And they say, well, brother, we got to do da'wah. Uh, that's not da'wah. That's something else, but that's not da'wah. Because da'wah means invitation. That, who would look at that and say, oh, they're inviting each other. Or he's inviting them to... You know, it, it, it's a completely different gesture, isn't it? When you say, hey, let's go have lunch together. Or come over to my place. Or, yeah, I'd like you to sit down with me. Or, you know, those are in, invitational gestures. So the word itself includes a kind of mannerism to begin with. And if we don't possess that mannerism, there are other aspects of Islam that the ayah covers. But da'wah, this, this wouldn't be da'wah. It's also important to mention that da'wah should be um, separated from the concept of tabliq. Uh, the Prophet ﷺ gave us the responsibility بَلِّغُ right? Uh Communicate on my behalf Even if it's a single ayah Balagh uh, Qur'an calls itself بلاغ, uh Communicator or communication uh, The Prophet ﷺ is told You have no responsibility other than to just communicate In other words balagh means not how you're inviting But what you're saying needs to get the message across You gotta say stuff that somebody will understand and they actually get it. So if you start using big words that they don't get, or you start throwing in technicalities that they have no background in, you're no longer doing balagh. Quran calls itself balagh, and balagh actually, the original meaning of balagh is to reach. And from it, one of the sciences of the Arabic language, they call it balagh, you may have heard of that. Balagha is actually the the art of communication. When you're talking to somebody, I want you to imagine it like this. This is how I used to explain balagha to my my Arabic students. Think of it as when you're talking to someone, they have a a protective wall, literally the chest cavity around their heart. So what you're saying is going to bounce right off, right? You've got to find the kind of words that can penetrate through this cavity and go deep inside somebody's heart and impact them and that's actually called balagha in arabic when you are getting through to somebody and it really hits them so that's actually the art of communication so da'wah is first of all an invitation it's a friendly gesture it's a call balagh or balagha or even tabligh is to communicate in ways that are the most effective which means we have to become students not just of the manners of speech but the nature of speech itself, what are we, how are we going to talk to somebody about the same thing? You can say the same thing in the most effective way and you can say the same thing in the, the opposite of effective. What is the goal that you're trying to achieve? Are you trying to win a point? Are you trying to prove someone wrong? Or are you trying to win someone over? Because if you win an argument, the person might walk away losing an argument but hating you also. You didn't win anything. That wasn't balagh. And it certainly wasn't da'wah. But you felt good about yourself. That was more a you know a propagation of one's own ego instead of da'wah or tabliq. You understand? So this is why these words are actually really important to understand. These terms in the Qur'an are really important to understand so we know what is it that we're trying to do. If I'm giving... Yeah, and by the way, this is not just about you know taking some Christian fellow and telling them about the oneness of Allah or something like that. You could be doing da'wah to your mom, you could be doing them to your to your spouse, your husband, or wife, or your child. There's an opportunity to invite them to something. Now, Allah didn't say invite them to Allah. Listen to the words. Udru ila sabili rabbik. Invite to the path of your master. Invite to the path of your master. Now, this is imagery because the Quran communicates some very comprehensive messages. By way of painting a picture And this is a picture that's been painted in this ayah And what's the picture that's been painted? A path is not something you call someone to You call someone to a destination I can invite you to my home I don't say I invite you to Highway 183 Doesn't make sense Because you don't invite to a path You invite to a destination So it's interesting language that Allah says Call to the path of your master You understand that? Now, the thing about a path is if I invite 10 people, just visualize this. I invite 10 different people to the same path, a road. Let's not use the word path. Many of you don't use that word. Let's use the word road, right? So I call 10 of you to a road. Because 10 of you live in 10 different locations, aren't you going to join that same road at different points? Isn't that true? Somebody will join this road way back, 10 miles back. Somebody will join it 100 miles ahead of everybody else. Isn't that the case? And all of you have different paces. Some of you have a bicycle. Some of you are walking. Some of you have an animal. Some of you have a, a truck, a car, whatever you got. And if, if somebody, somebody will get on that path and move quickly. Somebody will get on that path and move slowly. Somebody will get on that path and be reluctant to even take the first step, even though they're on the path. Somebody will get on that path and take two steps and then kind of want to slip off. You understand? The imagery of a path means that you understand that people are at different points in their life. And you're not calling everybody to become the same. You don't want everybody to be like everybody else. You don't say, well, look at that one, that's on the path, why can't you be more like them? You know, because we have this oversimplistic picture of what does it mean to call people to Allah, or to call people to the path of Allah. And what we say is, Islam means complete surrender. Therefore, you must surrender absolutely to the will of Allah. And somebody comes and says, Hey, so if I become Muslim, do I gotta stop eating pork? And I gotta stop drinking? And I gotta do this? And I gotta go? And I, and I, do I have to divorce my wife? And do I have to give up this? And I have to give up that? And they make a list. That's why I can't do it. And they're like, Yep, you gotta do all that right away. And if you don't want it, Islam is surrender, bro. You better just, and and we compare this to what happened in the time of the Prophet A person came to the Prophet and said, I've heard basically saying, I've heard about Islam, but he said, ala I'm, I'm ready to pledge myself to you, I'm basically ready to accept you as Allah's Messenger, but I, I, I'll pledge that I'll pray two prayers a day. I'll give you two. Right? And it's very clear that there's no compromise on the number of prayers in a day. It's five prayers. Every Sahabi knows that. It was early established in the, in, in the religion. It was a heavenly gift from Allah. So it's, it, there's no negotiation here. And the Prophet ﷺ accepted his pledge and the man happily walked away, a Muslim. And the Sahaba were confused. Like, was there a discount program we didn't know about? Like, what, what happened here? And the Prophet ﷺ explained to, him, to them that once he tastes the sweetness of the prayer, he'll come around. He'll learn. Let him take his first steps. Look at the statement of Aisha radiAllahu taala anha. لو أول ما نزل من القرآن لا تشرب الخمر. Had the first thing in the Quran that came down would have been, "Don't drink alcohol." We would have responded, "We swear to God, we will never abandon alcohol ever." <laughs> And she, could, she went on to say, if Allah, Allah gave several other prohibitions first, we would have said, no, no way. Don't give up what? No. We would have fought it tooth and nail. What does that tell you? I and mean, you've heard this narration before. What does it, think about what that tells you. What it tells you is, we consider these the most ready and willing, the most submissive slaves of Allah in the history of the Ummah. These are the Sahaba. These are the As-Sabiqoon, assabiqoon, the first of the very first. They are the first and foremost. They're the ones. And they're telling us that they needed time to grow. They needed to be on an earlier step in the path and they needed to take slow steps to get somewhere. You understand? And Allah gave the example of that. How the Prophet nurtured them over time and allowed them to mature and grow. He gave the example of that at the end of Surah Al Fatah. And he described this as, as you know, um, it, it's Zar'in, Akhraja Shat'ahu, you know, Fastawa ala So it's a, it's a little tiny blade of grass. And it comes out and it starts getting reinforced. Then it becomes a stalk, a tall stalk, like a bamboo stick kind of thing. And then it stands on its own and eventually turns into a tree, yeah? Or it turns into a tall crop. And then it gets to a point where it's even taller than the farmer. It was this tiny little seed and it's taller than the farmer. It grew so much. And this is the comparison Allah made to the way the Sahaba matured. How they grew. Now think about that. The Prophet ﷺ's relationship with the best generation ever is being compared to a farmer who's being... You know, who's being raised or who's raising crop, right? So if that's the case, then what we have to understand is that in our religion, we don't tell someone to uh, completely transform themselves and become someone else overnight. We have to be patient with people. We have to understand that they just may be a seed right now. Or maybe a little bit later, they might turn into a little blade of grass. Or maybe a little bit later they might turn into a taller stock It'll take time But they're not ready yet And that's still because the the seed is on the path to growth It's still on a path, isn't it? It's still on a path And by the way, the most beautiful part of that is When you put a seed in the ground And you water it And you nurture it And you make sure the soil is good For a long time you don't see any progress over the ground It's underground and nothing is happening you don't see any progress outside. And you know what we do with people? Man, I gave him da'wah the other day. I told him the ayah and everything. I told him the hadith about it. I gave him all the delete, And look, no change. Still the same guy. After I told him, after I gave him the still the same guy. Unbelievable. Did the prophets do that? Did the prophets, like Nuh doesn't have a different audience, he's sticking to the same audience. Did he speak to them once and say, I already told you, and you still look at you, I'm done with this, I need a new audience. Because I already gave them the the best speech. That should be enough for them. That's not how human beings work. That's not how transformation works. So the comparison made is because a path takes time to traverse. And the other thing about that is when you call people to a path, make sure you, they understand that they're being called to their own path. Meaning their own speed. The road is the same, but your speed, and whether you're walking alone with, or with three other people, or you need training wheels, or you need help, or you need somebody propelling you, right now you can't to- totally walk on your own. Everybody's different, isn't it? Just like if you had a thousand people walking on the same road, some will be old, some will be young, some will be strong, some will be weak, some will be sick, right? Some will be, need more help, some will get thirsty quickly, someone will want to give up, there'll be different people on the road. So when you're calling people on that road, make sure they understand not to compare themselves to someone else. Not just that you don't compare them to others, but they might start, somebody takes shahada, becomes Muslim, comes to the masjid, or some Muslim who was raised... But with the muslim name and the muslim family but they never really know what the religion was not their fault and they decide they want to figure something out about it they want to learn about it right and when they finally come to a, a masjid for the first time or come to a muslim community they hear about a convention and the guy is giving a speech and he's dropping all these arabic words and everybody's going takbir and he doesn't know what takbir means and then everybody screams and he's like is there an emergency in the building he doesn't know he has no idea and he feels so out of place and then finally, when somebody takes you out, you got to pray five times, you got to learn tayyibatu wassalawatu salamu alayka, you got, you got that? You got that, right? You got that, okay. And here's eight more brochures. You got to make sure you do this. And here's how you make wudu. And yeah, it's only, it's easy. Let me show you. And if people are, information overload. And then they start feeling like, man, there's a lot to learn. And I'll never learn it. And all these people know so much more. I'm never going to be a good Muslim. They're so much further down the road on this path than I am. Right? So they start comparing themselves and feeling inferior. Allah has said such profound words when He said, call people to the path of your master. The path of your master. Because every one of you is not being compared to the next person. You're not, your rank in front of Allah is not less because you haven't memorized the Qur'an or you don't know tajweed yet or you don't speak Arabic or you don't know, you know, you didn't memorize the, uh, the 40 hadith of Imam Nawawi, or you, you know, you're, none of that stuff. Those are important and valuable things and rewardable deeds. But that's not the only way reward works. That's not the only way reward works. Actually, it's a because rel- I'm in the middle of studying Surah Yusuf right now, it's on my mind. I'll just share a simple example with you. Yusuf A.S., one of the most rewarded prophets of our history, right? But he wasn't given a book. He he wasn't given revelation. Torah came way later. Torah came to Musa A.S., yes? So there is no recitation going on. There's no scripture that he's reciting and surahs that he knows or... You know, revelation of, you know, he knows the interpretation of dreams, he knows Allah is one, he knows the, the story of his fathers, he knows that, but he doesn't know much as far as scripture is concerned. We have way more access to words of Allah and laws of Allah that weren't even revealed yet, right? Well, what's his contribution? His contribution is he's making sure the agricultural community is doing its job. He's making sure the money's moving in the right places. He's making sure the administration's running clean. There's an anti-corruption policing in place. There's you know, the, the, the poor are getting what they need to get. What you would consider secular services, not even religious services. But that's a contribution. And does Allah value it? Values it enough to make it a surah we study. So what we do is we start comparing, well, religiously, I'm behind this one and that one. Or I know less than that one and that one. Therefore, I'm inferior. Somebody else can make you feel like that and you can start feeling that way. But when you invite someone to Allah, this is the most important thing. The most important thing is you remind them over and over again, I'm not inviting you to a destination that some other people reached and you haven't reached yet. Too bad for you. You better catch up. No. I'm inviting you to a path. And the fact that you're on a path is success. That's the last thing I'll share with you for today. We're just doing the first phrase of the ayah today. We'll, it'll take us a while before we get through the whole ayah. But in the first phrase of the ayah, the being on that path is actually the ultimate goal. Because the moment you start thinking that you reached some kind of destination, that's when you failed. There is no such thing as us having reached our destination in this life. This entire life. Just like every day, the sun takes a path. The moon takes a path. Just like every day, our bodies are actually on a path towards maturity and then decline. Our bodies, our bones are on a path. Our eyes are on a path. Our brain cells are on a path. Dementia will come in eventually, right? Everything Allah created inside of us is on a path. So is our religion. So is our relationship with Him. It's on a path. Our goal is to find ourselves on that path every day. And not to compare ourselves to someone else, but to see that the, whatever step I took yesterday, am I taking the next step today? Am I still on the same path? Did I make progress today? The only one you're competing with is yourself. Nobody else. The only standard you have to hold and I have to hold is, I know I could have done more and I didn't. I know I could have held myself to a higher standard and I didn't. The failure of so many will be, whenever they're about to take the next step, instead of comparing themselves to themselves, what will they do? They'll compare themselves to everybody else. Well, this one supposedly so far ahead of me in the path is so messed up. What's even the point? I don't want to be like them. Therefore, I'm not taking any steps. Good luck with that in front of Allah. Because it's your own journey. Every single one of us. Our own journey. We're supposed to help each other along, but not race with each other and make someone feel like, you know, you're behind, you better catch up. Or uh, I'm way ahead of you. Man, I, wait, I know so many more surahs than you. I'm gonna be like so many levels above you in Jannah, it's not even funny. No. That's not how that works. You know, I'll leave you with the thing I used to tell my students on the first day of the full-time dream program. These are students that like come here with like this fervor to learn the Qur'an and like they left their job. Some of them suspended college education. Come here to study with me for nine months back in the day. And they'd sit here and I'd say, listen, Inshallah, I'll I'll do my best to teach you Arabic. And I have full confidence that if Allah wills, then in a few months you'll be reading Arabic books. You will be doing that. But you know what? If you're not on a path to connect with Allah's word, and you're not changing yourself in here, not here. Here I can help you. I can try. I can grow this. I can't help this. That's on you. If this grows and you know Arabic, if someone was a terrible person before they came here, then four months later, they will be a terrible person who knows Arabic. That's the only difference. Now their Tajweed is better. And they got good vocabulary. And they know a lot of grammar. But they're still a terrible person. Because the simply seeking knowledge does not mean that we're on a path. We have to understand, why are we learning? What's the purpose of us learning? Why are, we, why are we acquiring any knowledge at all? Why are we listening to any Islamic content? Any tafsir or any sirah or any, anything that you're listening to? What's the purpose? Are you listening? Man, I got to write that down. I got to use that in a speech somewhere. I got to write that down. All people got I'm going to drop this on somebody at some party. You're looking for quotes to impress people? That's what you're looking for? Is that, is that what this is? Because that's not inviting somebody to a path. First of all, I have to be on a path and because I'm walking in and struggling, I can share with someone else, by the way, I'm no better than you. I just started sometime before you. But it's a, it's a path for all of us. And by the way, whenever someone journeys, they get tired. Whenever someone journeys, it wears on them. Yes or no? Whenever someone journeys, they might need to be replenished. They need to be rejuvenated. Whenever someone journeys, there may be dangers on the path, so it's safer to travel in a group. Isn't it? So when you invite someone else to a path, you must also be open about the fact that you're on a path yourself. And you have slipped off here and there, but you get back on. And alhamdulillah, you have people in your life that help you get back on. Instead of what we've done in the ummah, when someone slips and falls, we kick them again and say, you fell? Oh my God, everybody, this one fell. Make sure they don't get up again. (laughs) And boot them down. How dare you fall? Because all none of us have ever fallen. So I don't understand how you could fall. This is this is the self-righteousness that is antithetical. It's the opposite of what Allah is saying in the very opening of this statement, Udru ila sabili I'm taking a little bit extra time, but since I want to do some justice to this phrase, I'll say one more thing about this opening phrase of the ayah again. Surah 16, 125. Yeah. Udru ila sabili rabbika. Invite to the path of your master your master. It's saying that to Rasulullah So first of all, when Rasul is going to invite, even Allah tells him, didn't he find you an orphan and he gave you shelter? Didn't he find you seeking, lost, and he guided you? In other words, he will tell people, I also had a starting point in my path. And it's not my path. I don't own this road. I don't get to comment on other people and their speed on this road. Because I don't own it. It is the path of belonging to someone who also owns me, my master. So now there's two ownerships. I'm My master is Allah. And the master, the owner of the path is also Allah Azza wa That means the way that I observe myself. I'm not the police on this road. I'm not in charge on this road. I don't decide the rules on this road. I don't call people out on this road. Who's the only authority who can do that? That's Allah Himself because it's His road. Don't act like you own it. Don't act like you're, you've got copyright on this road, on this path, and you will decide who should ha- walk out. That's not, it's not your place. Invite people to understand that they should be on this path because it's a path that belongs to their master beautiful language because it's as if allah is saying that, tell, telling us that when you when i remind myself and i remind you there are lots of roads to take in life there are lots of roads there's lots of ways you can live your life but only one of them is actually owned by allah then you have to think what are those other paths who owns them and what are they if they're not owned by allah what do they lead to who are you going to meet on those roads if they're not if they're not owned by the one who, who gave you your life who sustains your organs, who gives you the air to breathe, who loves you more than anyone can ever love you. And if he made this road just for you, then he will put people in it that will make your life beautiful. But what about those other roads that you abandon his road and you take? What kind of people will you meet on that road? What kind of experiences will you meet on that road? Where are you gonna head? What progress are you gonna make? As you make progress towards Allah, you, Allah literally describes it as rising. Rising. Now again, visual. I'm taking so long in this khutbah. It I, doesn't matter. It's okay. It's COVID-19. You can work from home. So when it's when you're rising, imagine a road that goes upwards. Yeah. So as you're traveling this road, it's getting higher and higher. When you get higher, don't you see further? Aren't you able? Your view changes, right? It's a remarkable thing that the path of Allah is actually heading upwards. Why? Because now, for everybody else, they're so caught up in the moment, in the day, on the, in the weekend. And you can look at your entire life ahead. You can look at your children's lives. You can look at the meeting with Allah. You can look at the long-term consequences of these steps. You can see it. You can see what you left behind. For what it really is. Oh my God, that's where I was? You know, you, when you're inside a city that has a lot of smoke and smog, you don't see it. But if you travel up the road and you look down and it's covered in smog, that's where I was living? Oh my God, I was breathing that? And you came out of it. You're rising above it. And the, the, your horizons are changing. You're, you're in a new environment now. And you can see things you didn't see before. That's the invitation that Allah Azza has given us to make us people of vision. Literally people of vision. People that can see further out. People that are not reacting to, to moment by moment. This is the opening of the... the I mean, I don't want to call it philosophy. It's the wisdom of da'wah in the Qur'an. How does Allah describe da'wah? And it's just inside this one ayah, there are so many just pearls of wisdom packed, jam-packed in that I wanted to kind of take you know a little bit of them each at a time and unpack them so that you and I can truly understand what does it mean that we have been chosen to follow the path of our messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam to invite others on the path that we ourselves are traveling on barakallahu li wa kum fil al hakeem wa nafa'ni wa iyyakum bil ayati wa al hakeem الحمد لله وكفاء والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفاء خصوصا على أفضلهم وخاتم النبيين محمد الأمين وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين قال الله عز وجل في كتابه الكريم بعد ان اقول اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم ان الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا ايها الذين امنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على محمد وعلى ال محمد كما صليت على ابراهيم وعلى ال ابراهيم في العالمين انك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على محمد وعلى ال محمد كما باركت على ابراهيم وعلى ال ابراهيم في العالمين انك حميد مجيد عباد الله رحمكم الله إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَأْمُرُ بالعدل وَالْإِحْسَانِ وإيتاء الْقُرْبَةِ وَيَنْهَى عن الْفَحْشَاءِ وَالْمُنْكَرِ one ذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون the one إن the كانت على المؤمنين one